podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Well, our series title comes from something that Jesus said, very familiar scripture, John 10 and 10. And my prayer is, is that you don't have an attitude to say, oh, I've heard that before, I've read that before. Well, you should read it every day because it's new and fresh every day. Here's what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He says, the thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. Now, we know that throughout Scripture uh, that the thief is speaking of the devil. And there's a lot of church-going people that just don't realize or they've ignored the fact that there really is an enemy. 1 Peter 5, 8 says that your enemy, the devil, names him, roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to devour. He's trying to steal. He's, he's trying to kill, and he's trying to destroy. It's, 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 it's interesting that in Peter, First Peter, it says that he's looking for those that he may devour, which means that he can't just devour everybody. He can't just come in and steal and kill and destroy uh, from everybody. You have to give him access. You have to give him opportunity to do that. But Jesus is making it very clear here that by nature, Satan is a thief, and he comes to steal people's joy. He comes to steal people's peace and their innocence and their, their dignity and their integrity. He comes to steal their dreams and their purpose and their confidence. He comes to steal relationships and and health and strength and resources and and time. But the good news is that Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues on in the verse, and this is what Jesus says. He says, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. More abundantly. Uh, So so he says, Satan's a, a taker, but I'm a, a giver. The New Living Translation says it this way, says that my purpose, Jesus, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. How many of you would like to have a rich and satisfying life? It's, it's available. In fact, that's the whole purpose of Jesus dying on the cross for lost humanity is so that you could smile and be happy and enjoy Enjoy life. The message translation says it this way, and this is where we got our title. It says, it says in the message, it says, a better life than they ever dreamed of. A better life. Could it be possible that really we as believers could really have a better life than we have right now? Jesus makes it very clear that Satan comes to, to steal it away, but Jesus comes to give it all back. Isn't that good news? Satan comes to steal it, but Jesus says, I've come so that you can have it all back, a better life than you ever have dreamed of. I believe, hear me, church, I believe that it can be better than it's ever been. I'm talking about your life. I'm not talking about just my life. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your relationships. I'm talking about your marriage and your family. I'm talking about your career. I'm talking about your finances. I'm talking about your health, that it could be better 
than you ever dreamed of. Regardless what's been lost, God wants to show up and make it better than it's ever been. And the good news is that it's not too late to get it all back. It's not too late to have a better life than you've ever dreamed of. Now, today, in this first, this first session that we have of this series, I, I want to talk about this reality, the reality that we have a God who wants to restore. We have a God that wants to restore. Now, um, the, the word restore and the very concept of restoration is really what God is all about. If you really want to sum up the, the whole nature and the whole concept of God, it's, it's really all about restoration. The whole Bible that we have is a story of redemption, and it's a story of restoration. It's a book about what was lost and how God had a plan to get it all back by sending Jesus Christ to die upon a cross to save lost humanity. It's a story. It's a love story of redemption for humanity. Now, now hear this, very important. The English dictionary defines the word restore this way. It means to return it back to its original condition. And most of us, when we think of restoration or to restore, that's what we think of, to, to return it back to its original condition, or we, we think of to repair or to replace. But when it comes to the Bible word restore, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean to repair or to replace. The word restore throughout scriptures means this always to make it better than it's ever been. <laughs> Just in case you didn't get that, when the Bible, when God talks about restoration, when you see restoration, then you can't turn very many pages before you bump into the concept or the word of restoration. And every time you see restoration in the Bible, it doesn't mean to repair. It means always make it better than it's ever been. Isn't that awesome? That, that he's not there to just replace what's been lost. He's not there just to re, 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 repair or re, replace what's lost. But he's there to always make it better than it's ever been. Um, some things can't be replaced. And that's the reason why it means something different. I mean, some of you have lost loved ones and they're, they're in heaven or, 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 or whatever. They, they cannot be Replace, but it can always hear it. It can still always get better for you. Sometimes you can't start over, but you can always start again. And that new beginning can always be better. Re listen, restoration is not about it being the same. It's about being better. Th that'll help you if you understand that. It's not about being the same. It's about always being Better. And that's hard for some of us to grab onto because we want things the same, but God is ready to blow your mind and say, I, I can still do, I can still do better. I don't know about you, but I like ice cream. One scoop is really good, but two scoops is better. Can I get a witness up in here? <laughs> As you can tell, I really like ice cream. Two scoops are good, 
But I'm here to tell you that third scoop is really better. Come on, somebody shout better. When it comes to restoration, it's always about your life being better. That's what God means. Now, hear this point in the message, because this is so important, because this is where so many of us live. The reason why restoration is so important to our lives is that without restoration, we live our lives with a sense of loss and a sense of regret and a sense of sadness, which means that even when you have happy moments, because that sense of loss is there, that sense of pain is there, you still never enjoy life. That's kind of been the story of my life is that it's hard sometimes to enjoy what is because I'm still thinking about the regrets and the pain of yesterday. And if we don't get God in our lives and begin to get restoration, we won't even enjoy the happy moments today. You cannot afford to carry the loss, to carry the regret into your future. You need God's restoration. You need God to remove the loss, remove the regret, remove the pain, and you need Him to make things better than you've ever dreamed they can be. And that is absolutely a promise for every person in this building. Come on. They're in Fresno. They're in Madeira. It is absolutely God's promise to you. Amen? Doesn't that sound awesome? Doesn't that sound great? Some of you are wondering why you still live with so much dissatisfaction. It's because you need restoration over the regrets and the pains and the losses of your life. I want to show you five specific areas that God has absolutely promised restoration in. Five different ones. Here's the first one. Are you, are you good? You, you guys want to learn this? Everybody excited about this, right? Can you handle five? I'm going to scoot through them pretty quick. Five different areas that God wants to restore in your life. Number one, God will restore your health. God will restore your health. Now, every time I say restore, you should be thinking to make it better than it's ever been. I'm here to tell you, God wants to restore your health. Notice what it says in Jeremiah 30, 17. It says, for I, this is God talking, for I will notice restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast saying, this is Zion, no one seeks her. I love that last part, but let me key in on this again. Notice God's promise. He's promised in this area to restore health or to make your body or your health better than it's ever been. I don't know about you, but I am absolutely, come on, is anybody excited about that promise? Now, notice one of the reasons why God wants to restore your health. He says, because all those worldly people that are saying you're an outcast, they're looking at you kind of funny saying, I can't believe you go to church all the time like you do. I can't believe you tithe and give your offerings. You guys are just outcasts. God says, well, guess what I'm going to do? I'll show all them. I'll show all those people that are looking at you funny and I'll heal you and I'll restore you. I'll take your sickness and your disease. Come on, God wants to restore health to his people. While the world's been mocking us, God's getting ready to show up and make us a a sign and a wonder to lost humanity. That's some good preaching right there. Come on. I know I'm excited. I'm passionate. I believe this stuff. 
Come on, does anybody need any healing? Oh, shut up. The devil is alive. You should be excited. You should be chatting. You should be saying, oh, that's mine. God, I receive it today. Oh, I'm telling you, if you don't need it today, you better practice that because you will fight battles in your future. And you need to always know that by the stripes of Jesus, I am the hill of the Lord. And I don't have to be sick another day in my life because God restores health. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You believe it? Jeremiah 33, 6, it says, but I will most surely heal the wounds of this city and watch it and restore it and its people to health. God has promised. That's good news for you. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're fighting with, whatever report you have received from the doctors, you need to know that God's got another report and God wants to heal you and God wants to restore and make your health better than it's ever been. You do not have to accept sickness and disease. Jesus Christ, upon that cross, the Bible says, took stripes upon his back, and what he bore you need not bear. I declare you're healthy and you're whole in Jesus' name. Here's the second thing. The second thing that God wants to restore is this. God will restore your wealth. God will restore your wealth. Has anybody lost any resources, any wealth? Anybody experienced here any financial misfortune, lost equity? Anybody lost bonuses and retirement? Come on, is there anybody here? Am I the only one that's lost a little bit of stuff? Huh? Has the enemy stolen from you and kept you from prospering? Are you operating? Here's a great question. Are you operating in abundance or are you struggling in lack? Listen, God's always promised wealth for his people. In Deuteronomy 8, 18, he says, I'll give you the power to get wealth. He says in Psalms 112, wealth and riches shall be in your house. If you're not operating in wealth and abundance, then the devil has stolen from you. If you are struggling in financial lack, I'm here to tell you, you have been ripped off and God wants to restore wealth back to his people. God does not get any delight in seeing you struggle. In fact, God presupposes that you to be wealthy, you are to be wealthy so that you would have money to give to the poor. He has commanded the church to give to the poor. But how can the church give to the poor if the church is as poor as the poor? It's time for God's people to rise up and receive restoration of wealth. Jeremiah 29, 13. He says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. I'll be found by you, says the Lord. I'll end your captivity. Notice this, and restore your fortunes. It's a promise. God wants to restore your fortunes. He wants to restore your wealth. Amos 9, 14, he says, I will restore the fortunes of my people. I could probably show you about 15 different verses in the Bible that literally say that word right there, restore the fortunes, restore the wealth. God wants to make your money better than it's ever been before. God wants to restore the fortunes to his people. So what do we do with all that's been lost? What do we do with the resources that have been lost? Because so many of us have have, have felt that. The job we didn't get that we should have got, the promotion that we should have gotten that we did not get, the lotto ticket that should have been the winner but it wasn't. What are we going to do with all these losses? We need to hear this today. There was a king. 
His name was Amaziah, and he was king of Judah, and he felt one of these financial losses. In fact, he absolutely lost a fortune. We see the story in 2 Chronicles 25 and 9, and this is what it says. It says, Amaziah said to the man of God, but what about the, here, the money I already paid to the Israelite army? And you've got to go back and read this whole story. What this king did is he hired 100,000 military individuals and paid them all, but then he couldn't use them in battle. So all that money and salary that he put out, it was a fortune. He lost it all. So he's asking the prophet, the man of God, what am I going to do about all this money that I've lost? What am I going to do about this this recession? What am I going to do about this equity? What am I going to do about this retirement? Here's what you're going to do. This is what the man of God said. The man of God answered, the Lord has plenty. Come on, that's good news. The Lord has, you're looking at the loss and you need to get your eyes on the El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. He has plenty and he can give you what? Much more than that. So what you lost your retirement? So what you lost your equity? So what the lotto ticket didn't work? God has plenty and he wants to restore the fortunes and the wealth back to the church. And that's a good place for you to shout and that's a good place for you to clap. Come on, that's a good place for you to get excited. God wants to restore your wealth. So he wants to restore health to you. He wants to restore wealth to you. The third thing God wants to do is he wants to restore your soul. He wants to restore your soul, meaning your mind and your emotion. This is, this is huge. Your mind and emotions. Our nation is being plagued by mental health disease and issues. People's minds and emotions are, are messed up. So many people are trying to just medicate the pain of their souls. They're trying to drink it away. They're trying to pop another pill so it'll go away. The number of Americans that are taking some kind of antidepressant in our nation is absolutely staggering. They're depressed. They're suicidal. They have anxiety disorders and panic disorders and obsessive compulsive disorders, all kinds of social phobias out there. People's souls are being tormented by fear and by worry and by by guilt and by shame and, and by worthlessness and discouragement. But I've come with good news today. Somebody needs to hear me. God wants to restore your mind. God wants to restore your emotions. God wants to restore your soul. The psalmist said it this way in Psalms 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He restores my soul or he makes my mind and my emotions better than they could ever be. Better than what they ever were before. Better than what I could ever dream of. God wants to get in your life. God is not satisfied with you having to medicate your pain. He wants to heal your pain. He wants to heal your emotions. Jeremiah 31, 25 says this. I'll refresh tired bodies. Somebody needs to receive that right now. Those that are sleeping right now in service while I'm preaching. They're in Madeira. You need to resist. God says, I'll refresh tired bodies. You know, if you just go to bed earlier. Hello, somebody. Turn the computer off. Go to bed. You wouldn't sleep on me when I preach. I'll refresh tired bodies. Notice, I'll restore tired, messed up, broken souls, emotions. God is our healer. 
So God, God will restore health. God will restore wealth. God will restore our soul, our mind, our emotions. Here's the fourth one. God will restore your time. Your time. I love this one. It's one of my favorites. Now, some of you are just way too young to really appreciate the value of restored time, and we don't like you. (laughs) And the reason why some of you don't appreciate this is because you haven't lived long enough to feel the pain and the reality of lost years and wasted years, years of regret. The longer you live, come on, all the old people, at least give me an amen here, the more valuable this promise is. So for all you whippersnappers, all you young people out there, you might want to get this CD or download the podcast because you'll need this in a few years. If you're here today at all of our campuses and you're, you're thinking, man, if I could just go back and do that differently, you, you need to know. You need to know that God will restore time. Wasted years, Joel 2, 25, here's the promise. He says, so I will restore to you the years, and this is, the, this is outlining the, the enemy, the devastation, the, the one that steals, kills, and destroys, and, and it's actually a progression. It's, it's a stages of his devouring. It's a very interesting subject. We could teach that, but these are different stages of how he devours our life. But notice the promise here, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust. It's all the same bug, by the way. It's just different stages. And the chewing locust. God has promised to restore the years. The God who created time can give you more of it. Come on, you need to hear that. God can take the time you still have and he can maximize it. God can do for you in a moment, here's somebody, what you could never accomplish in a lifetime. God can restore some wasted years. Maybe you're here and, and you feel like you've lost some time and wasted some years and, 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 or maybe you feel like you've, you've missed your time or you've missed your opportunity. Hear me today at all of our campuses. God can restore those lost years. It's not too late. It's not too late for God to do great things in your life. You need to hear that. It's not too late. It's, it's, in fact, I was reading this remarkable story this last week. Uh, this last week is was, was a man by the name of David Sizer. Any of you ever heard of David Sizer? I was, I was amazed with this guy's story. He's, he's actually an elderly man who felt like he wasted his whole life. Uh, he, just, he, he just felt like he squandered, didn't live for God. And at the age of 96, he actually turns his life towards God and gets saved. And at the age of 96, he, he just felt like, you know what? I might be 96, but I'm still not too old for God to do something in my life. I wish we could get more people with that kind of mindset. I wish I could get some 60-year-olds and some 50-year-olds and some 70-year-olds and some 80-year-olds and some 90-year-olds, instead of wanting to die, start to want to live and do great things for the kingdom of God. I probably should say some 30-year-olds too. Hello. Here's this guy at 96 years of age. 
96 years of age, he, he makes a decision because he felt like there was a calling of God on his life. You know what he does? He goes to Bible school. 96 years old, goes to Bible school, and he graduates. And after Bible school, he spends his days, up to his death, he spent his days going to jails and into nursing homes ministering to people. That's awesome. Here's what I'm trying to say. It's never too late for God to use you and to restore your years. Somebody needs to lean to their neighbor and say, what's your excuse? Come on, somebody help me preach today at all of our campuses. Now, most of you didn't do that. And we're going to have to deal with you because you're not participating in my sermon. But I've got the last point for you. I'm going to show you why restoration isn't working in your life. Ooh, glory to God. Did you hear that today? 96 years old, believing that God still had something for him. I'm here to tell you, regardless how young, how old, God still has something for you. Joel 2, 26 goes on to say this. Now, this is the verse after God has promised to restore years. He says, I'll restore the years. Here's what God then says in the next verse. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. This is what I wanted you to see is that what God is saying here, God is saying all those lost years, all all that time that you thought was wasted, God says, I'll restore it back. And all those lost years will not matter anymore because I'm going to do such restoration that you're going to be satisfied and you're going to have plenty that you won't even remember the regrets and the pain of your life. I'm here to tell you, God can give it all back. So God will, God will, listen, God will restore your health. God will restore your wealth. God will restore your soul. Listen, and God will restore time back to you. Now, just in case, you know, we haven't covered your issue. I'm here to tell you, God has your issue covered. Number five, here it is. God will restore everything that you have lost. God will restore everything that you have lost. So regardless what it is, it's covered right here. Deuteronomy 30, verse 2 and 3, it says, come back to God, your God, and obey him with your whole heart and soul, according to everything that I command you today. Notice verse 3, God, your God, will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces. Notice from all the places where you were scattered. What a promise. What a promise. God will restore everything that you have lost. Put verse 2 back up there if you can. Come back to God, your God, and obey him with your whole heart and soul. According to everything that I command you, God, your God, will restore everything you have lost. Listen, there is nothing. Probably the most important statement that I, I say today is right here. There is nothing the enemy has taken from your life that God can't restore. Hear it today. I know you want to think you've got a special issue, but I'm here to tell you your God is bigger than your special issue. And God can heal it, God can deliver, and God can give it all back. But notice what God is saying here. God is saying, you turn your heart towards me. You get interested in what I'm interested in. You begin to care about what I care about. That's the key to recovery. 
We've got to start getting interested in what God's interested in. We've got, to start, we've got to start caring about what God cares about. We've got to turn our heart towards God. Because a lot of us are trying to get restoration through another lotto ticket or through another job or through another relationship. There's no, there's no healing in that. God is our healer. And our eyes have got to be upon him. And God says, when you care about what I care about, then I'm going to restore everything in your life. If I could just get people in this church to really believe that God's the answer to their pain, I'm here to tell you this church would not be the same. I'm telling you, next week we would be different. Next month it would be different. I'm here to tell you, if we would do that, we're getting ready to have our best year we've ever had in our lives. God is the answer. Not your bottle, not your pills, and not another relationship. God is the restorer of all humanity. I'm almost done. Here's my final final application. Here's my thoughts. Here's... Here's what we want to talk about. So how do I get this operating in my life? And why is it that, that, that it's great promises, Pastor? I was excited, but why is it that we're not seeing this in, in believers' lives? Why aren't we seeing this in our nation? Why aren't we seeing this in Christ's followers? And I, I believe I have an answer, and I believe it's our final application here, and I'm going to sum it up in this statement right here. Uh, I hope that you hear it today. God, give us ears to hear this today, because this could be a life-changing statement if you have ears to hear. For restoration to get in your life, it must first get in your mouth. For restoration to get in your life, for God to restore everything that he's promised, before that happens, that restoration must first get in your mouth. A lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people have never been taught this. But notice in Isaiah 42, verse 22. Here's what God says. It says, says, look at God's people. Others have defeated them. And what this is going to do is it's going to give us the condition of God's people who have been ripped off and things have been stolen. And God says, others have defeated them and have stolen from them. The young men are afraid. They, They are locked up in prisons and people have taken advantage of them. Kind of sounds like our lives, doesn't it? And, and there's no one to protect them, and others have taken their, their money, and there is no one. Now catch this, and there is no one. He gives the condition, and then God says, and there is no one. He gives this devastation, everything that's been stolen, and then God says, and there is no one saying, give it back. No one's saying give it back. And and the New King James Version, it says it this way. It says, and no one says, hello, restore. Man, don't miss this. There's nothing to go to, right? You've got to focus on this. At all of our campuses, this is the key. This is the truth. God outlines a condition of thievery that's going on in his people. And God's baffled. And he says, no one is saying Restore, And then he says this in the very next verse, verse 23. Will any of you pay attention to this warning? Man, I hope you're not distracted by social media right now. Because this is a matter of restoration or not. He's saying, will any of you pay attention to this warning? God's people have been robbed, taken advantage of. They're in prison. And God's response to all of that devastation is this, 
Why in the world is not anybody opening their mouth to say, give it back? Why isn't anybody saying, restore? Nobody's saying, restore. You know what, you know what the church is doing? Folding our hands and saying, well, if God wants to do it, he will. That's kind of the, the attitude. We just kind of think, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And we dismiss our part in the equation. God is saying all this devastation has taken place. And he says, I don't understand why you're not standing up and opening your mouth and saying enough is enough. I want restoration. I want it back. Now at this church, I mean, we understand the importance of our mouth. I've taught on it at the beginning of the year. We teach about it all the time. We understand, you know, that in Proverbs 18, 21, that death and life is in the power of the tongue. Job 22, we talked about this so much at the time. Job 22, 28, it says, you shall declare a thing and it shall be established. Mark 11, Jesus himself, the head of the church, he said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says, he will have whatever he says. And then we understand that in James, we talked about it much of the year, the first part of the year in James, we talked about that the words that we speak determines the life that we have. And then in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul talks about that that faith has to be in two places. And you got to understand, faith is how you receive from God. You don't get anything from God unless you have faith. It's the receiver. And faith has to be in two places, not just one. But faith has to be in your heart. And faith has to be in your mouth. It's how you get saved. Man believes with their heart and confesses the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not only how you get saved. It's how you get healed. It's how you get delivered. It's how you get restored. Faith has to be in two places because it's faith that pleases God and it's faith that receives from God. Come on at all of our campuses. I'm getting ready to land this plane. Here's what God's saying. He's saying, he's saying, I I just don't get it. I don't understand. I, I don't understand all the devastation and all the need for restoration and why there is not anybody that's going to church and saying, God, I want what belongs to me. Listen, if a thief was to come into your house today, hear me, guys. If a thief was to come into our homes today and start, start rummaging through our house and start taking stuff, and then he starts taking our, our animals. Some of, that, some of you, that, that'll get you. And then he starts taking your children. You wouldn't just sit there and say, oh, by the way, you left one. He's upstairs. No. But that's what we're doing in the church. That's what we're doing in our lives, our Christian walk with God. No, if, if a thief came into your home today and tried to take what belongs to you, you would rise up and go after what is yours. You would say, hey, that is mine. I don't have time, but this isn't just there. It's, it's, it's throughout the Bible. In Exodus 22, it might be a great study for you. In Exodus 22... The, the Bible tells us God instructed his people that, that when something had been taken or something had been stolen from your life, here's what God told them. He says, you are to go before God. You are to come before me and you are to open your mouth. It's all there. It's there. He says, open your mouth 
and claim your restoration by saying, that belongs to me. By saying, that is mine. God has promised restoration, but you've got to release faith and say, that is mine. And some of you may not be able to figure that, but you are saying something, and that something usually isn't bringing what you want into your life. You know what you're saying? Oh, I'm so sick. Oh, I'm so diseased. Oh, I'm so poor. Oh, I never get any breaks. Oh, nobody ever likes me. What if you turn that around and say, hey, that healing is mine. By the stripes of Jesus, I am the healed of the Lord. Wealth and riches are mine. He became poor so that I might become rich. What if you started saying your restoration? What if you begin to run the thief out of your life and begin to say, hey, that is mine. The health is mine. The wealth is mine. The peace of my soul is mine. Come on, somebody. I'm getting my years back. I'm getting some time back. I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. And see, even some of us today, we just sit there and go, yeah, that sounds so foolish. But you're saying something. Something's coming out of your mouth. And what you say directs where your life ends up. And God looks at their situation where they desperately needed restoration. And he says, why aren't you releasing faith for it? The devil's come in and he's stealing it away and you need to stand up in faith. And the Bible says the violent take it by force and you need to grab hold of it and you need to say, hey, that is mine. Come on, let's practice. Come on, this is going to feel good. Anybody want to practice with me? Come on, shout it out loud. Shout, this is mine. At all of our campuses, we're going to get this right. I'm going to say it and then you're going to say it. I want you to shout, this is mine. mine. Come on, at all of our campuses, this is mine. mine. Hallelujah. Next time, the next time the enemy starts messing with your marriage, you need to say, ah, devil, this marriage is mine. I'm going to have a glorious marriage, a blessed marriage. Come on, the next time you feel a financial crutch, ah, you say, ah, I'm a blessed man. I'm blessed going out and coming on the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. And everything I set my hand to do, I shall prosper. Come on, I've gone to preaching now. Why don't you stand to your feet, all of our campuses. I just about preached myself happy. Come on, shout it again. Shout, this is mine. Say this. Say, I want it back. I want restoration. I want my health. I want my wealth. I want peace in my soul. I want my time back. I want my years back. I want everything that belongs to me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.